A new press release has been put up by Republicans in Pennsylvania asserting major discrepancies in the state presidential election. The analysis asserts that 202,000 votes are unaccounted for, that effectively more votes exist than registered voters who actually cast votes, calling into question this large number. Specifically in the presidential election, they say it's 170,000. Donald Trump tweeted about this. Of course, we then saw the partisan mudslinging, claiming Trump was wrong and making things up. But then you had many people on the right saying, if Trump is only losing Pennsylvania by about 80,000 votes, well, then certainly this is more than enough he needs to actually change the results. But we don't know what this data actually means. It is an analysis. And according to the Secretary of State, they say they've sifted through pages and pages of unsubstantiated claims and that this report is based on incomplete data. But they didn't actually give us a breakdown of what's going on, and they didn't directly refute what the statements are. And I got to tell you, I'm quite sick of it. You know, it's really hard to break down what's really happening because the media is hyperpartisan. Because we are not being given transparency. All of this could have been avoided a long time ago if they just said, we've heard your claims. Why don't we go through the merits of them? They didn't. Many of these court cases were thrown out on procedural grounds, injury, standing, or that the results, it, it would be too big of a move for a judge to make. So long as we don't actually get a sit down hearing to go through these documents and explain what they are. It will never stop. So, of course, when you pull up the articles from the left and the mainstream media about what's going to happen with Mike Pence and the vote count, they'll tell you it's meaningless. The Trump supporters are crazy. When you pull up right wing articles, conservative outlets, they'll argue not all of them. Many of them are actually, you know, not siding with Trump on this one, but many will argue why, in fact, Mike Pence does have this power. In fact, a new lawsuit filed by Republicans asserts Mike Pence does have the sole power to choose which votes to count. Now, I think if it were true, they wouldn't need a lawsuit to assert it. And in my opinion, this is not going to lead anywhere. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people probably want to believe that it's true, but I just don't see it. There are many legal challenges happening right now. And I can tell you that, you know, there are people certainly fighting. There's going to be a big challenge and some objections on January 6th. But if I had to make a bet, I would not be betting on Donald Trump. I'm sorry. That's just the case. He seems to be losing much of his power. What little he did have as he was president, he was obstructed every step of the way. And now what do we have so far? Trump demanded $2,000 in a stimulus for the American people, and it's being jammed up. Mitch McConnell rejects unanimous consent. He's saying he wants to fight, you know, or I guess the idea is he wants to fight for repealing 230. But Donald Trump ultimately signs the omnibus spending bill that that nobody really liked. And everything's kind of messed up, confusing and partisan. Figuring out what's really going on is very difficult. All I can do is give you my opinion on what I think is going to happen. But we do have interesting data points coming out. Perhaps the real question right now, based on what we're seeing in media and the accusations from the left and the right, what really matters is establishment authority. And whether or not Trump can actually generate public support, not whether or not the media is, you know, or what, not whether or not the numbers are actually on his side. I know it's kind of a, a crappy thing to say, but it's true. It could be a fact that a certain number of votes are good or bad, and that would, you know, make one person the winner and one person the loser, and that the numbers we have, maybe they're wrong, but it doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not Trump has public support. Maybe he does. But the media is saying otherwise. 
Trump's battle, in my opinion, is not with the constitutional process or the election. It's whether or not the public supports him. And that's the big challenge. So long as the media says it's nonsense, but doesn't give us an answer, this will not be resolved. Okay, to clarify, we need to actually have a thorough hearing through all of these claims to either debunk them or confirm them or something. But simply dismissing them as on on procedural grounds is doing nothing for anybody. And it's resulting in this endless problem that we're facing. Now, the left says Trump supporters will never give up. So don't bother giving the time of day. But in Arizona, they, they, they issued subpoenas and Mar- Maricopa County re- refused to abide by those subpoenas. So how am I supposed to give you a definitive answer or resolve any of this when this is what we get? It'll never be resolved. We'll see how it plays out on the six. Many outlets on the left, like I said, are pointing out that Pence can't do anything. But we'll see. Let's read through the news, see what's going on in Pennsylvania, and then we'll break down where we're at with Mike Pence and this upcoming mega rally in D.C. on January 6th. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I've got a P.O. box if you want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. It really does help the channel grow. You know, YouTube's algorithm isn't a big fan of content like this. And I'm trying to give you a rational assessment on what's happening in the news and avoiding or at least showing you what the left and right's arguments are as to what's going on. If you think I do a good uh, good job, please help out the channel by sharing, subscribing, hit that notification bell, hit that like button. Let's read the story from WJAC, an NBC affiliate, PA Republican lawmakers. Analysis finds presidential election numbers don't add up. They say a group of Republican lawmakers say they've performed an extensive analysis of election day data and they found troubling discrepancies. According to state rep Frank Ryan, 17 lawmakers sponsored and participated in the analysis. Ryan, who is a certified public accountant, says they discovered discrepancies between the number of total votes counted and total number of voters who voted in the 2020 general election which is making them question how the results could have been certified by Governor Tom Wolf and Secretary of the Commonwealth, Kathy Bookvar. I mean, quite simply, they're Democrats. This is the partisan battle I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. It matters who has institutional authority and who has public support. According to Ryan, the analysis compared official county election results to the total number of voters who voted November 3rd, as recorded by the Department of State. Ryan says they found that 6,962,607 total ballots were reported as being cast, while DOS slash Sure System Records indicated that only 6,760,230 total voters actually voted. Among the 6.9 million total ballots cast and the 6.9 total votes were counted in the presidential race, including all three candidates on the ballot and write-in candidates, according to Ryan. He says the difference of 202,377 more votes cast than voters voting together with the 31,547 over and under votes in the presidential race adds up to a discrepancy of 170,830 votes, which is more than twice the reported statewide difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Pennsylvania's election results were certified November 24th, and Governor Wolf issued a certificate of ascertainment of presidential electors stating that Biden received 80,555 more votes than Trump. Now, this is interesting. My understanding is that back in 2016, Pennsylvania didn't certify their results until mid-December. Yet this time around, they rushed to certify November 24th. What's fascinating about that is that many Republicans were in the process of filing a lawsuit 
And before they had a chance to file on, you know, it was like an early Monday morning, they got word that the governor certified already before anybody could even file their challenges to the results. Of course, many of these challenges were knocked back on procedural grounds. Some of them still exist, although emergency injunctive relief was not granted, meaning they're probably not going to go anywhere. There's one lawsuit, apparently, that won't be resolved until two days after the inauguration. But many people on the right pointed out, why did Democrat Governor Wolf rush to certify without notifying many Republicans or many people in the state legislature? This is why people think it's a political game, that the numbers are meaningless. It's about institutional authority. And guess what? The governor's got it. So long as the Pennsylvania House the General Assembly doesn't come together and actually issue a vote and make a statement, so far, the electors for Pennsylvania are certified for Joe Biden and nothing else will change that. I, I, I should say nothing is going to change that on January 6th unless a special session is called that the General Assembly comes together and then certifies their own slate of electors. It's possible. I'm not entirely convinced it'll happen. You know, we'll see. But let's read on. The group of lawmakers released the following joint statement. They say we were already concerned with the actions of the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, the executive branch and election officials in certain counties, contravening and undermining the Pennsylvania election code by eliminating signature verification, postmarks, and due dates, while allowing the proliferation of drop boxes with questionable security measures and the unauthorized curing of ballots, as well as the questionable treatment of poll watchers, all of which created wholesale opportunities for irregularities in the 2020 presidential election. However, we are now seeing discrepancies on the retail level which raise even more troubling questions regarding irregularities in the election returns. These findings call into question the accuracy of the sure system, consistency in the application of the Pennsylvania election code from county to county, and the competency of those charged with oversight of elections in our Commonwealth. These numbers just don't add up. And the alleged certification of Pennsylvania's presidential election results was absolutely premature, unconfirmed, and in error. They go on to mention the 17 Republicans, I believe mostly, I believe they're all Republicans, who signed on to this. The first thing I'm going to do is rain on this parade a little bit. According to Ballotpedia, the General Assembly of Pennsylvania has 253 members, 203 in the House of Representatives and 50 in the state Senate. 17 is nowhere near a majority of those in the General Assembly in, in, to make a definitive statement or at least a certifiable one. They would need to have an official you know, legislative, the, the body would need to come together in, a, in, a, in an official legislative session and make an official declaration. We're not there yet. Just because 17 people have, have put out this press release and issued the statement showing these numbers doesn't mean it's going to change anything. And thus, as of right now, even if Mike Pence does have the power to throw away certain votes, I don't think it will matter because there's not certified challenged votes. Let me put it this way. First, I want to show you this and then we'll move on and I'll show you uh, the statement from Bookfar and then what Vice is claiming, what the, what the leftist mainstream media is claiming about Pence's abilities and what the Republicans are saying. We can see here, they say in the presidential race, there's 170,830 more ballots cast than voters who voted. So voters who voted means, are you a registered voter? Okay, there's like 9 million. How many of them actually voted? They say 6.7 million. How many votes were there? 6.9. Something doesn't make sense. In response to this, a spokesperson for Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bookfar uh, said to the Washington Examiner, 
that uh, state and federal judges, quote, have sifted through hundreds of pages of unsubstantiated and false allegations and found no evidence of fraud or illegal voting and asserted that the Republicans so-called analysis was based on incomplete data. They go on to say that the final vote tally was certified by the governor, et cetera, et cetera. I am not satisfied with that answer at all. Just saying it's incomplete data. Okay, come out with a statement. Show me in a press release what their sure data is, where it came from. Challenge it and tell me what's wrong with it. Don't just say, ah, they already lost. It's over. Their data is not even complete anyway. That's not an argument. They gave me some numbers. They gave me a statement about where the data came from. Okay, can you say anything to that? No, they're not. I'm not surprised. It seems like the goal right now from the left is to ignore all complaints from the right and run out the clock. I'm not going to assert that that, you know, it's for for any reason other than, well, I'll put it this way. Maybe it's because there's something there. Maybe it's because they don't care. The point is, as long as they refuse to do it, the questions will remain and no one will accept the results. It would be very simple for them to say, we're going to put together a hearing to go through this data to debunk it, to present to the to the people exactly what's going on. They won't. It's tribalism. The right is adamant they've won. The left is adamant they've won. It is not about numbers anymore. It's about who has the power, the institutional authority and public support. That's why January 6th will be so important. Very important. Now, earlier this morning, uh, I did a segment on a hotel that shut down in D.C. over fears of what's to come on January 6th in Washington, D.C. For those listening on the podcast, you'll hear that segment coming up next. But January 6th is the day that matters. You can talk of, you know, the, the media has a massive amount of power, but even right wing media is turning on Trump. So Trump's public support is dwindling. But what happens on January 6th if Mike Pence decides to ignore certain votes and count what they're saying are alternative electors? Suppose he could. I doubt he will, because right now the problem is you've got electors certified by governors of their states. And then you have the Republican electoral slates. They were candidates for the Electoral College issuing their procedural votes, which are not even certified by the state legislative bodies. Now, many of these state legislatures have tried calling special sessions in order to likely certify their procedural votes. It has not happened. If it does, then something spicy will happen. I doubt that it will. 17 Republicans in Pennsylvania is dramatically short of even half of the General Assembly, which is majority Republican. They couldn't even get most of the Republicans to sign on to this. Well, so let me show you what the left is claiming about what Mike Pence can't do or can do. And then I'll show you what the Republicans are saying. For Vice, they say Mike Pence can't steal the election for Trump on January 6th. Here's why. They go on to mention what the plan is, I guess. Rumble Day, they say. January 6th, there's going to be people coming down to D.C. They're going to be occupying, setting up tents. I think a lot of people are going to show up, as I mentioned many times. I plan on being there, but we'll see if I can actually make it. That's the plan for now. They mention the alternative electors. Vice goes on to say that it is believed by many Mike Pence will take the envelopes and choose which votes to count. And I believe, I believe he actually can. I believe very uh, easily put, Mike Pence is the one who determines which votes to count. But if you don't have certified votes, then there's no argument, okay? Well, let, let me read what they say. They mentioned Rasmussen Report says, those who cast the votes decide nothing. 
Those who count the votes decide everything, quoting Stalin. They say come January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence will be presented with the sealed certificates containing the ballots of the presidential electors. They go on to say that Pence can't do it. Unfortunately for Trump, Gohmert and Rasmussen polling agency, the vice president's role in this process is actually feeble, according to Levitt and other other election law experts. Quote, his job is to open the envelopes with the electoral votes. He reads the certificates and asks for objections if there are any. But if there are any objections, the law clearly says that the chambers of Congress deal with the objections, not the VP. He's the ceremonial letter opener, not a decider. That appears to leave Pence with no room to maneuver, no matter how much Trump fans want him to do it, Levitt said. He's basically got the same role that the presenter has the Oscars, Levitt said. The actor at the mic doesn't actually decide who wins best picture. Pence could conceivably find a way to weasel out of the role altogether, though. The Constitution says the president of the Senate is supposed to do the job, which is technically Pence. Well, it's literally Pence. But if Pence isn't around, the business could be performed by the president pro tempore or a tempe or however you pronounce it of the Senate, which would be Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa. Given all the Michigas, it's little wonder Pence is reportedly planning a trip out of the country as early as the evening of January 6. We'll see how that plays out. But let me tell you something very important. What does it mean that he can't do it? And who is this election expert, Levitt and other election law experts? I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it, man. Vice finds an expert who agrees with what they want you to hear and tells you what they want you to hear. There are many legal experts arguing the opposite and many on the right. All of this is meaningless. I can present you a million and one experts who can all give their opinions on what can actually happen. And we just don't know what would happen if Mike Pence went up and said, Trump wins. What would they do? Oh, they would scream. They would throw things in the air and they would yell, rabble, rabble, rabble. And what can they do about it? Go to the Supreme Court, I guess. That's right. Human beings are not machines that, that adhere to a rigid set of code and have to do things legally. We can say that under the Constitution, Mike Pence has no authority. I can also argue that Cuomo, Newsom, Whitmer, these governors have no legal authority to do anything they've done. Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania didn't have legal authority to enact the lockdowns that he did. And the Supreme Court's, uh, Court has ruled against. I say uh, Supreme Courts because even Pennsylvania's Supreme Court has ruled against them, I believe, in some circumstances. If Andrew Cuomo can enact an edict against the law and we can sit here screaming about how he's not allowed to do it, but he did it anyway, maybe y'all will realize that Pence could literally do whatever he wants. And then what are you going to do about it? File a Supreme Court case? Yup. But what happens? Imagine this. Mike Pence, not caring, says Trump wins. That's what they say. Have a nice day, everybody. Bye bye. And they all yell, rabble, rabble, rabble. We know that's not true. And then Donald Trump gets inaugurated. And then the Supreme Court uh, 10 days later says, well, what do we do? Trump's already president. There's a lot of problems that could arise because apparently the Constitution is meaningless at this point. I'll tell you what's really funny. Vice likes to talk about what the Constitution does or doesn't allow. Pence is just the presenter at the Oscars. Have you ever seen an instance where the presenter accidentally read the wrong name or was given the wrong envelope? And then the wrong person gets the award. And then like later on, they're like, that was a mistake. It's happened. What would happen if Mike Pence says, I'm out. I'm not going to be here. Chuck Grassley, it's on you. And then Chuck Grassley is handed a stack of envelopes and he just reads them. 
And some of those contain Republican electors. What happens if Chuck Grassley is just like, I'm not going to read him. Trump won. Bye. Have a nice day. What will they do? What could they do? Fight? I don't know. You say they can't do it, but I'd like to tell you something. Have you ever seen a sign that says no trespassing and then somebody jumps the fence? How does that happen? They can't do that. They have no authority to do it. They did it. You see the issue here? These governors in many Democratic states are acting in extreme violation of constitutional rights of the American people. They're not allowed to do it. They're doing it anyway. And guess what? The police enforce what they say. That's all that matters. If someone goes in and and reads the votes and says, nope, Trump's the actual winner. Sorry. Bye. What's anyone going to do about it? That that will be official. The gavel will, will bang. And there you go. According to Republicans, we have this uh, GOP lawmaker, Suze Pence, in bid to overturn Biden win. This is Louis Gohmert. He's suing. And they're saying that under an uh, they're saying a certain law in 1887, the Electoral Count Act, they're saying it's unconstitutional and that the vice president has ultimate say in how to count votes. Let me be honest with all of you. I think it's kind of a poor argument. The idea that the vice president running for reelection can just choose to make himself the, the winner. I'm sorry, that's absurd on a constitutional basis. OK, I don't think Pence has the right to just be like, I don't know, looks like I win. If you have a slate of electors and it's in an envelope with no certification from anybody, how do you even argue that's legitimate? If you have the governor certified, the Democrat electors and the legislator certified Republican electors, the Constitution is clear. The state legislature ultimately decides where the votes go. But that's only if they're certified. Right now, what we've seen in Pennsylvania is nowhere near a majority committing to supporting an alternate slate of electors. We just see their procedural vote and we see a minority of the General Assembly saying we're going to do it. Many other states are fighting, but there's no official certification yet. In the end, I'll tell you this. If you want to go by the rule book based on what I've read, Mike Pence could choose to count other uh, votes as he sees fit. If he gets two slates, what happens? The Republican Senate votes for the Republican uh, slate and the Democrat House votes for the Democrat slate. And then Mike Pence says, OK, they're both gone. They're meaningless, right? Well, that would lead to a Trump victory. I'll also remind all of you that the Republicans in the Senate are not going to do this. There may be objectors in the Senate, but the Senate will overwhelmingly vote for Joe Biden. They hate Trump. They're the establishment. That's what's likely to happen. But I want to make sure that I stress to to an extreme degree, human beings can just do things. What if Chuck Grassley is just like, you know what? I'm an old man. I will not see Joe Biden win. Sorry, I'll just say it's not him You know, because Mike Pence goes and travels. What if Mike Pence says, I will not be involved in this because as a candidate for this race, it would be a conflict of interest. Passes off Chuck Grassley and Chuck Grassley says Trump wins. Bye bye. I don't I can't tell you what anyone would do. They'd file a suit to the Supreme Court arguing it's not legitimate. The Supreme Court would probably agree. But by when? When would any of this happen? And then what? I honestly don't know. I'll tell you what I've said over and over again, and I'll talk a bit. You know, for those in the podcast, you'll hear it more in the next segment. If millions of people show up in D.C., Trump's not going anywhere. If 10 million people really do show up in D.C., I believe Trump will be president for another four years. And I mean it. 10 million people. For a lot for a variety of reasons, there's a lot of things I think people, human beings can do to make changes. 
I'll leave you uh, with this very important point. The founding fathers signed a declaration of independence under what authority? The, the colonies were under the government of the British Empire, and there were rules in place in Parliament as to what they could or could not do. I certainly imagine that when King George III received the Declaration of Independence and read it, he thought to himself, under what authority can they claim they're independent? Parliament doesn't allow this. There's not been a vote. They can't do that. But they did it anyway, because people can just do things. I often tell people, the only real laws are the physical laws. The laws that we write and, 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 and you know, pass at the statutory level are human social laws. You know, there's the law of gravity. Well, I guess it's the theory of gravity. Sorry. But there are physical laws that restrict us from doing certain things. But a no trespassing sign does nothing to stop a person from crossing, uh, jumping over a fence. I love that, that quote from Watchmen, the, the comic and movie where he says something, uh, Dr. Manhattan says, you know, uh, a picture of oxygen to a drowning man. It's meaningless. It's abstract. You can say no trespassing so long as we have confidence that by trespassing, there will be some negative repercussion or you'll be committing some, you know, a violation of certain morals. Well, if that exists, people might say, OK, I'll abide by the sign. But you could choose to hop the fence. I'm not saying you should. You probably shouldn't. My prediction, Joe Biden's going to be president, man. You know, Trump can do this. There can be these fights. I don't believe the Republican establishment has the political willpower to challenge anything. They like the status quo. They don't want it to change. They don't care if we're being sold out. They don't care if Democrat governors have violated the Constitution every possible way. They won't play that game because they don't fight for you. Republicans have only passively fought for you so far, for the most part, because they had to, because defying Trump meant they would not be reelected. Well, now that many of these senators got reelected, they don't need Trump anymore. So they're getting rid of him. They're not going to fight for you. They're not going to fight for what you believe in. That's why I just think, come time, Mike Pence can say or do whatever he wants, but they will certify Joe Biden. What will you do? What will the American people do? That I can't tell you. But I'm certainly worried the American people are becoming desperate and they're on the verge of exploding because I've seen more than enough videos of people saying I can't take this lockdown anymore. I've seen more than enough people say I'm desperate. And I've heard some crazy stories about what people you know, are planning on doing in D.C., bringing tents, bringing food and, and just occupying the, 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 the federal jurisdiction for extended periods of time. We'll see. Interestingly, Antifa is planning on showing up and fighting against the Trump supporters. And I find it kind of crazy because it's, it's like if you're really opposed to the U.S. government, wouldn't Antifa be happy this is happening? It's instability. It's their opportunity, too. What if that actually happens? We've seen the Boogaloo boys in Antifa shake hands before. What if Antifa shows up and says, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nah, you do your thing. We'll do ours. I wonder what Trump supporters would say. They'd probably say, sure, fine. Leave us alone. I doubt it, though. That tribalism runs deep and there's going to be a lot of fighting. Look, these discrepancies in places like Pennsylvania are scary. If they will not address them properly, if there will not be a legitimate hearing on irregularities where we can go through this evidence and get a definitive answer, then people are going to explode. But more importantly, maybe there is no way to address this. The left doesn't care if you have evidence. They just keep saying it doesn't exist. And the right has seen the evidence and they just believe it's enough. There's no changing anyone's mind here. So what happens? 
Antifa's lying in wait because they don't like Joe Biden either. And I think many of them supported Joe Biden knowing it would force Trump supporters to essentially, you know, be against the, 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 the U.S. government. I thought it was really funny to see the left side with intelligence agencies and Trump supporters, many libertarians defending the government. Didn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Well, with Joe Biden being, you know, declared the winner by the media, at least, and the expectation he will be the next president, Trump supporters are now outside of the system and have no reason to defend the GOP establishment, Congress, or any of these existing government systems that appear to not be supporting the American people. Who likes the omnibus bill? The left doesn't. The right doesn't. Yet it passes anyway. People are going to explode, man. I don't know what to expect. My predictions aren't worth a whole lot. Don't take them as law. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing right now. And uh, for all I know, maybe Mike Pence says, Trump wins. Bye, everybody. And then chaos ensues. We'll see on January 6th. We'll see if the people actually show up to support the president on this day. I don't know. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight, 8 p.m. live over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Come hang out when we talk about a lot of the latest developments on this stuff, and we'll see what happens. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, and I will see you all tonight, 8 p.m. live. We have a major development as it pertains to the January 6th protest rally in D.C. Hotel Harrington, they say, is a Proud Boys hotspot. I don't know how true that is. But Washington Post is reporting that Proud Boys have been hanging out there. Hotel Harrington has announced they're shutting down for the fourth um, uh, for three days during uh, just before this this uh, big protest rally for the safety of their employees and patrons and things like that. That's crazy. This is crazy. They're shutting down because of the upcoming rally. We, we saw a Trump supporter rally last month. This didn't happen. My friends, I think people are at their wits end and they're starting to snap. They've got nothing left to lose, and they are pissed. You know, I wonder, what is Donald Trump doing? You know, he signs these bills. He, you know, can't really do much to resist the supermajorities in Congress. But that's not making people feel good. They're not happy that the NDAA is now being approved, and they're not getting anything they want. No, they're mad about it. They're not happy that this ridiculous omnibus spending bill just got passed. They're mad about it. And Congress is pushing things that people hate. Everybody. The Republicans are getting ragged on just as much as Democrats by everybody. So what's going to happen on January 6th? I think people have had it. I think they're going to snap. Now, I'm not convinced it's going to be a revolution, to be honest. Uh, right now, I'm planning on being down there, you know, doing the show. We'll see if we can get there. Logistical issues make it impossible. So, you know, if it turns out to be too big, like too many people, it's going to make it impossible for me to do the show. So we might try and get somewhere close to D.C. so that we can have speakers and attendees, you know, come on the show and talk about what's going on and things like that. See where we're at. But if there, it, look, a lot of people need to understand when there's like when there's too many people in one place, the Internet just doesn't work. So it would be particularly ineffective, you know, uh, less effective if I try to go down there and it's too crazy. But we'll see because I won't know. You know what I mean? So right now I'm booked. I'm planning on being there. Uh, I am not staying at the Hotel Harrington, so I'm not affected by this. But think about how crazy that is. The hotel is shutting down. Uh, you know, I, I saw that. So let me tell you, people keep asking me what I think is going to happen in D.C. on January 6th. I think it's going to be massive. I really, really do, especially with this report coming out about the hotel closing because of this rally. I think it's going to be huge. 
I don't think it's going to be a revolution. I think it's going to be a big rally. You know, it'll be some I think it'll be historic, perhaps. You know, a month ago, we saw a couple hundred thousand Trump supporters show up. They didn't shut this stuff down. They didn't like lock down hotels and stuff like that. I think they realize it's going to get real spicy. I think maybe people are starting to realize law enforcement, the government, the American people have had enough. I mean, look, you got a lot of urban uh, city dweller, liberal types, leftist types that don't understand a thing about what's going on. And you have uh, conservatives who have seen, and not even just conservatives, but many conservatives and liberals seeing their businesses and livelihoods destroyed. At a certain point, when everything has been taken from you and you have nothing left to lose, people snap. There's this crazy viral video, man, where this guy, a health inspector comes to his business and then, you know, finds him or whatever. So he takes his truck and he blocks the health inspector's car so the health inspector can't leave. And he's like, if I can't work, then neither can you, right? That's where people are at right now. But this is nonviolent civil disobedience. I don't know what's going to happen on January 6th, but when you, when I see a video of a, a veteran, let me see if I, I got it right here, a veteran being pinned down and arrested by police for refusing to wear a mask. There's a tweet from Ford Fisher. He says, I've obtained exclusive new video of the December 22nd arrest of Eric Braden, who participated in a maskless protest at the North Star Mall in San Antonio, Texas, against pandemic restrictions. I'm a disabled veteran in the United States Army. Braden can be heard shouting. So here you can see the video and you got the guy right here filming, refusing to wear a mask. And then the police and security. It's not just I, I believe there's at least one cop in there. And they grab the guy and they arrest him. So I tell you this. When Trump supporters have been defending police, waving the thin blue line flag and wearing shirts that say defend the police. And then you see it's the cops that are destroying these small businesses. You've made you've made people desperate. You've made them very, very desperate. And I can only imagine they've had enough. And, and, and showing up in D.C. is about more than just Donald Trump. You see, this is what leftist media doesn't understand. They're saying people are going to show up in D.C. because they're, you know, Trump cultists or Q or whatever. And they're just, you know, trying to overturn the election because they lost and they're coping and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you really have no idea why people are mad, do you? Now, there are a lot of people who love Trump and are mad about the election. Don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of people who are mad about everything else. They're mad about getting arrested because they didn't want to wear a mask. Now, look, I, I say this all the time. I personally, I don't care. I'll wear a mask. You know what I mean? The store says no shirt, no shoes, no service. You put a mask on that and I just roll my eyes and say whatever. And it's, you know, I, I will tell you this too. How stupid is it? Because like, you know, they got, we got restaurants out by me and you have to wear a mask. You walk in wearing a mask. You sit down, take the mask off and then you <laughs> put the mask back on and walk out. Here's the funny thing. I see people leaving the restaurants. They don't put their masks back on. You know why? They're like, what are they going to do? Kick me out? I'm like, I know that's a good point. You wear the mask to walk in. They sit you down. You take it off. You don't got to wear it again, I guess. It's ridiculous. I, I, how does any of that make sense? It's just like arbitrary nonsense. But look, I'll tell you this. Look, I go to the store. I don't care about wearing a mask, but these videos are getting insane. There's another video I watched where people are like, they're, they're attacking people who aren't wearing masks. I'm like, dude, if you were really concerned about getting sick and the masks and all that stuff, why are you touching the guy? It's getting crazy out there, man. I think the mask thing has created this like clear division between the tribes. That's that's what you know what we're seeing. When someone doesn't wear a mask, they know your you know enemy or other or whatever. 
Maybe it's like the, the way for the, the, the invasion of the body snatchers to realize that uh, you're not, you know, in compliance or whatever. I'm kidding, by the way. But I know the left leftists will take that out of context because I love taking things out of context. Let me read this story for you. And then I got to talk to you about people snapping because there, there's, 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 there's a lot going on, man. A salon owner, uh, interestingly, with the, with the name Lindsey Graham, it's a lady, is defying Oregon, saying the government's coming after her. But, but let's, let's, we'll talk about why people are snapping. Here's a story from Newsweek. They say, Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotel that has become popular with the far-right Proud Boys group says it will close its doors for three days in early January when thousands of pro-Trump supporters are set to visit the Capitol for a last-ditch MAGA rally. President Donald Trump has encouraged wild protests in D.C. on January 6th, the day Congress is set to certify Joe Biden's victory in the 2020 presidential election. The day Congress is set to certify Joe Biden's victory. <clears throat> I love it. They could just say the, the, joint, the, the day of the joint session of uh, Congress to count electoral votes. But of course, you know, framing is everything. But some of his supporters may have lost their hotel reservations after Harrington, located just a few blocks from the White House, issued a statement on Monday saying it would be closed on January 4th, 5th, and 6th. That's interesting. I don't think it's just about this rally. The 4th, 5th, and the 6th, you got a lot going on on these days. You know, it's uh, now most, it's not necessarily in D.C., but they're going to be doing, I think they're doing the, the vote for speakership on the 3rd. There's going to be a lot going on with members of Congress in D.C. Now, I imagine Trump supporters aren't just going to be there on the 6th. They're going to get there early. The hotel's move came after the Washington Post reported the Proud Boys. Look at this, a white supremacist group, really, with their black chairman. Great. Weird, man. Known for inciting violent clashes with opponents at rallies, had made the Harrington their unofficial headquarters in the Capitol. I'm, I'm going to stop right here and say something. We, we, we've snapped. The, I, I used to say that we fell off the, we were, we were going over the edge. We we're on the edge of the precipice. We're falling. No, no. We hit the ground a long time ago. You look at stories like this that are outright lies. The Proud Boys, they are not a white supremacist group by no stretch of the imagination. Now, you can say that early on that there were some people associated with the Proud Boys who were alt-right white nationalists were kicked out. The organization is not founded upon white supremacy or with prominent white supremacists doing anything. But that's the lie. The media says it over and over again. And that's all that matters. I take a look at some of these cultural institutions and the dominance by the psychotic, deranged and duplicitous, deceitful leftists. It's creepy stuff. Maybe leftist isn't the right word right now because it's more like establishment. How do you get regular, you know, traditional liberals to hate the Proud Boys? Call them white supremacists. Say it over and over again. And your average person is going to be like, I don't like white supremacists. But anybody who actually does their homework knows that's not true. You take a look at Wikipedia and it's just total nonsense garbage at this point. Like you, you read certain articles, you're like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever read. It's not an encyclopedia anymore. This is what's interesting. Some articles, you know, you'll be reading, you go, you, you can do it. You go to the talk section. We're going to see people having conversations and you can see the culture war happening in an encyclopedia. Desperate attempts to claim that certain right wing personalities are neo-Nazis or alt-right. And you have people saying things like, how is a, a partisan descriptor from an activist for the other side, like encyclopedic information? Wikipedia is just become a trash mess. You know, you'll get some leftists who will write an article and they'll say this. Newsweek will call the Proud Boys a white supremacist group. And boom, that's all that matters. It's a fact. But Newsweek is clearly a partisan actor in this fight. Anybody who does their research would see this and say, how do we get people accurate information? And Mickey Tario, the chairman of the Proud Boys, is not a white man. 
and has repeatedly denounced white supremacy. In fact, the Proud Boys had a joint meeting with Black Lives Matter. I believe it was in Salt Lake City, where they talked about what they disagreed with, uh, with and what they agreed uh, agreed on. And they had a press conference about it. Doesn't sound like a white supremacist organization unless Black Lives Matter openly associates and supports white supremacists. Isn't that weird? What is happening? People are going to explode. I think January 6th is going to get bonkers. I don't think it's going to be the revolution. We'll see. I'm not a psychic, you know, but I tell you, man, there are everything that's happening right now is an information war. I'll give you another one. It's really interesting that there is a series of videos that the left routinely takes out of context in a desperate attempt to uh, like, like attack me or whatever. I had Jack Murphy on my IRL podcast earlier in the year, and we made a series of predictions. Now, as most of you know, if you actually watch my content, my predictions are usually really weak. And people complain about it all the time that I'll say, I think something like this will happen. But, you know, that could happen, too. And they're like, dude, just tell us what things can happen. I'm like, no, I don't know. I, I lean in one direction. The left will take things out of context to make it seem like I'm unreliable or that you can't take my word for things. But I'll tell you this right now. My predictions have never been worth much. And I've never proclaimed to be a, a psychic who can make these predictions. But they don't want you watching content like this. They don't want me breaking things down for you. They want to make sure they poison the well. Why? It's a propaganda war. Apparently some video came out. People are saying that I'm the most dangerous political commentator on YouTube. Why? Well, I recently reduced the amount of content I've been producing on this channel by three segments because I was doing a lot. I was doing, you know, four plus hours. I'm still doing three hours of content every day. But I was getting, uh, at the time, it was like September, October, November, like 100 to 120 million views. And I believe that made me the biggest political commentator on YouTube. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the case. And 120 mil, million is massive. Like, uh, liberal and progressive and conservative channels don't get anywhere close to that for the most part. So they started freaking out. Along come the smears. And I don't even make bold predictions. I don't even uh, uh, give strong opinions on policy or anything like that. And that therein lies the big problem. It can only go be ignored for so long. But I will tell you this. I'll break down the lies and I'll show you people snapping and getting angry and they don't like it. It's propaganda. It's manipulation. They don't want you to know what's actually going on. They want to lie to you because they don't want you in D.C., on the 6th. They don't want you angry about the fact that Congress has just given away tens of thousands of dollars of your money, your money at a time when you are most desperate. They don't want you to know this stuff. Now, it's not just about me. They do it to, to everybody, particularly they do it way more to other you know, conservatives. Take things out of context in an attempt to create partisan dividing lines. I almost wonder if they want the conflict. I think the leftists do. The left knows that, you know, they, they, they say revolution, nothing less. How do you get that if you have a strong establishment? This is why many people on the left voted for Joe Biden, even though they hate him. They know that it would force Trump supporters to target the establishment. So long as Donald Trump is president, Trump supporters are are happy to an extent. Donald Trump represents the populist right. He's in office. The populist right has a voice. The populist left says, put Biden in because everyone hates him. And then what happens? Now you've got Trump supporters hating Biden and, and the government. And you've got the populace on the left who already did saying, great, now we've got 74 million new people in this fight against the establishment, against the machine. Now I know you're probably saying Trump supporters have always hated the establishment and, and the machine. Yes, but they weren't willing to stand up and, and, and you know, go toe to toe or rally or, or protest or even riot. 
because Donald Trump held the top position. So they were inside. They had control and they said, let's 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 you know, let it ride. See what Trump can get done. The leftists vote for Biden. They want Trump out. And now Trump supporters are going to be showing up in D.C. And as I said, it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about all this. It's about these lockdowns. It's about disabled veterans being arrested. Look at this maskless protest at North Star Mall ends with one arrest. Disabled veteran. And a lot of people don't know what disabled veteran means. They think it's like a guy's got no legs. It's not necessarily true. There's a bunch of different ways people can be disabled veterans. It ends with this guy getting arrested for refusing to wear a mask. At what point do you think people say no more? Check this out from Fox News. Salon owner accuses Oregon governor of retaliating for resisting lockdown orders. She terrorized my family. The owner said governor threatened to place her kids under the care of child protective services. Not the first time we've heard this. Now, interestingly, the salon owner, Glamour Salon, her, the owner, Lindsey Graham, which is a funny name. A lot of people are making the joke. I tweeted this. Uh, how about we trade female Lindsey Graham for the Lindsey Graham we currently have in, uh, in the Senate? Says that she reopened her salon in May and received a fine of $14,000 from the state. Graham claimed that claimed that Brown began to personally terrorize her family and threatened to place her children in the care of Child Protective Services to intimidate her into closing her salon doors. As soon as I tried to open my doors against the governor's mandate back in May, she came at me with the full weight of the state. She, she told the Ingram Angle uh, Ingram Angle on Monday. She terrorized myself. She terrorized my stylist. She terrorized my family. She took every government agency she could, and she put her full weight into intimidating me into closing including sending CPS, Child Protective, Child Protective Services, to my home and threatening the removal of my children. I think this may be the same person, you know, the same story we heard back in the day. But here's the point. People have had enough. It's not that people going to D.C., I think, are going to be mad for a variety of reasons. You know, what's really interesting is in a lot of these liberal cities, you're getting people are being force fed red pills. I tell you, if there's if there was one way to restore libertarianism, individuality. It's to have the government do everything they're doing now. It's, it's, it's what I refer to as the finger trap, a finger trap problem. You're familiar with the Chinese finger trap. The more you try and pull your fingers out, the tighter the trap becomes. You have to actually, you know, push in to loosen the trap so you can get your fingers out. It's counterintuitive. When these governments start locking everything down and asserting their power and authority with edict and no statutory law, then normal people who just say, like, I don't care, I don't care, leave me alone, snap. And they say enough. And then you get the opposite. This is what I was saying. If you tell people they can't run their business and live their lives, eventually they're going to say, I have no choice, and they're going to open their business. But what happens then? They say, well, I'm already in defiance of the law. Why not defy any other law? You know what I mean? If you're already breaking the law, then a lot of people don't care. This is true for criminals in Chicago, and I knew this growing up. If they're already doing something illegal, they don't care to do anything else illegal because it's all stacking on top of each other. It's interesting how that works, right? So here's what happened. We heard a story the other day that in New Jersey, some young women were running a warehouse bar and restaurant and I guess casino. They were serving food, drinks and gambling. Now you look at, you, you can look at it this way. At, at warehouse party is probably a better way to put it, but everything they were doing was illegal. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm saying it was illegal, right? There's a difference between legality and, and morality. But would they normally have opened a restaurant, served food and drinks in a warehouse? No. Would these women have actually opened a restaurant? No. 
In order to open a restaurant, you got a lot of restrictions. You got permitting. You got to pay for this, that, and that, or whatever. You got to get a building. You got to get inspections. You got health code. You got to get that little, the little letter put in your window, A, B, C, D, or whatever. Well, now that no one can do anything and there's massive demand and it's either do nothing and starve or work in defiance of the state, people are like, I'm going to defy the state, right? So what happens is you get these two women who open up a bar restaurant slash gambling or whatever. I don't know what you want. I don't say it's a casino, but people are gambling there. And it's because if, if there's a law blocking from opening a restaurant, well, you're not going to break it. You're going to go through the motions. But if the law is so restrictive and insane, you have no choice, you can't do anything, then people just say, screw it. They, 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 just, they have no choice. And so then instead of just opening up a bar, they do everything, serving food and gambling. So I guess they got arrested for not having a liquor license, which is kind of funny. But we're going to see this. It's not going to stop. And what I guess will end up happening is people are going to snap. Now, you know, what's fascinating is the establishment and, and, and you know, Murdoch owned papers are really turning on Donald Trump. It's it's not just, uh, you know, like Fox. It's the Daily Mail. It's the New York Post. It's really interesting to see Drudge Report has just gone totally anti-Trump for a while. What's really curious about it is that I see some tweets from there, there's some media personalities from mainstream publications. One of them pointed out that Drudge loves celebrity gossip. But with the latest Hilaria, you know, Baldwin thing and Lori Laughlin or whatever, there was very little coverage of it, signaling to many people that Drudge wasn't actually running Drudge Report anymore. And I'm sure most of the people who are fans of Drudge know this or, or, or are saying you're right. You know, it's, it's been that way for a long time. I don't I don't read Drudge, so I don't know a whole lot about it. But people are saying that the establishment flipped. Like the conservative papers, look at this one. New York Post tells Trump to give it up and accept Biden win. <clears throat> it's not about Trump. It doesn't matter if Trump gives up or not. It literally doesn't. They put out a full page ad saying, stop the insanity. You want to stop the insanity and the lockdowns. They won't. It seemingly has nothing to do with COVID anymore. The, the point of the lockdowns was never to stop the spread. We knew we couldn't. It was to slow it down. Well, it's not slowed down anymore. So what's the point? Why destroy everything for nothing? Power, control. When did we become a constitutional republic and now we're a, you know, feudal monarchy or whatever? I don't know what you'd want to, what actual uh, government you'd call it. People talk about peaceful divorce. They talk about civil war. My friends, when you have New York, California, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Governors giving declare make, making declarations and the police just follow along and do it. You do not live in America anymore. I'm sorry. Normalcy is gone. You say, will there ever actually be a civil war? It happened a long time ago when the Constitution became toilet paper to these people and no one did anything about it. No police officer, no, no uh, military personnel you just watched it happen. We are now dealing with some kind of feudalism where you have these fiefdoms of New York City. Guess what? They put up checkpoints. It's no longer free movement between this city and other places. That should tell you something. When did we ever have border checkpoints between jurisdictions in this country? That happens sometimes. You get DOI checkpoints, I guess. But with COVID, they started actually putting up checkpoints. The country is fragmented and falling apart. Half the country voted for one guy and says they want a divorce on the other half. Now on January 6th, they're saying they're going to send on D.C. And I think people have had enough and they're going to they're going to they're going to lose it. And it's going to get crazy. 
again, I don't know if it's a revolution. I don't know what you want to call it, but people are fed up. I'll tell you what, man, I'm fed up. I'm absolutely fed up. There was a story I saw from Breitbart. Someone defiled a a statue of Abraham Lincoln. You know what, man? I started thinking about how I felt about what was going on and my personal view of government and confidence. I'll tell you what, man. Beginning of this year, I was still very economically left. I have even said in the past week that I favored universal health care if we can do it. I, I, I think banning private health care is insane. And I think you need a mix. Uh, the more the more I think about how I feel, the confidence I have in the system, I started to realize I don't have any confidence in the system. Earlier this year, and I tell the story quite a bit, so forgive me if you've heard it. But in January, I said, I don't want any guns in my house. No guns, period. I was I was I was like, seriously, not going to happen. And I, I even had someone try to break into my house only a few months before that. And I said, no guns, none. Then COVID happened and the riots happened. And now I have many guns, lots of bullets, uh, maybe not a crazy amount, I guess, compared to like your average, you know, uh, two way enthusiast. But uh, but I have guns. And then I started thinking to myself how I feel about Biden, what Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers said. And I started thinking like, wow, wait a minute. I really have no faith that the government functions at all anymore. I really don't. The other day I heard uh, I shouldn't say the other day, but like a week ago. I heard probably a thousand to two thousand rounds fired off by multiple people nearby, and it was it was kind of hilarious. It was just like, and these were these were some I don't know what what, what kind of guns they were using, but these were hefty bullets. Some of them, uh, uh, one guy said, well, you know, one guy who was over here, he said he, he thought he, he's pretty sure they were slugs. They were firing shotgun slugs. But then you start, we started hearing like over and over, and he's like, okay, now you got multiple people firing a bunch of guns, and I'm like, man, people really don't care about the government. Confidence is gone. When you lock everything down, this is the point I was saying about the women in in New Jersey with this warehouse. When you tell everybody the law is absolute, you have no rights, you can't assemble, you can't speak, you can't own weapons, you can't do anything. Once you tell people that you're unreasonable and they have no rights, they just stop caring. Once people start seeing that everybody is jaywalking, they start jaywalking too. So when the government says we destroyed everything, well, then people are just going to choose, you know, whatever, whatever they have to choose, like to survive. They're going to choose what to do what they have to do to survive. I mentioned this last night on the IRL podcast. Mohammed Bouzizi started the Arab Spring. How? He was a fruit vendor. He was poor. He would take a loan. They would loan him fruit. He would go out and try and sell it. His only way to make a living. He was 26. The police kept shaking him down, demanding bribes and demanding permits, which he couldn't get. Apparently, he didn't even need a permit, but the government, these cops kept saying it. So you know what he did? He set himself on fire and killed himself because he had no way to earn a living to actually survive. And he became so desperate and powerless against the state as an individual, he he self-immolated. This sparked the Arab Spring. People were furious. They were fed up. They had enough. They snapped. It wasn't this was in Tunisia. It didn't just affect Tunisia. It affected almost every single country in North Africa and the Middle East. Almost. It's crazy. The Arab Spring, we saw, you know, military dictators who had been in for decades removed. We still have that fight going on in Syria to this day. And that all started with one guy. There's a difference between that guy, Mohammed Bouzizi, and an American citizen. You can't own guns, apparently, in Tunisia. So the only thing he could do was he just went and set himself on fire. 
in the United States, lots of people own guns and lots of people are sick and they're tired of what's going on. And that scares me because the big difference between these two countries is that a person in America who feels they've been backed into a corner, they can't sell their fruit cart anymore, and they're, they're facing the, their, their own death. I don't think it's going to be a man setting himself on fire. I think it's going to be the killdozer times 120 million times 80 million. You know the story about the killdozer? The guy who had this cement, con- you know, this concrete steel fortified bulldozer and he went around just destroying the government officials' property and houses. It's scary stuff, man. But when people snap, they snap. And there's a big difference between powerless individuals and strong individuals, uh, independent individuals like we have in America. Let me wrap it up with this. January 6th, I think, is going to get crazy. I really do. Hotels are being shut down or the hotels being shut down. I don't know if it'll be the revolution. I don't think so. But we'll see. Far be it from me to make any kind of prediction that's worth anything. And that's pretty much always been the case. You know, I I used to make fun of myself all the time because I got 2018 wrong. And I was like, man, what do I know? Of course, the left wants to claim I'm some kind of psychic, a bad one at that. No, I don't think my predictions are all that strong. So we'll see how things play out. But I'll leave you with one final thought on this. Think about how you feel about the government right now. Think about how you feel about police and health inspectors and all that. And I'll tell you, man, the more I think about it, I've, com- I've lost all faith in any of these institutions to function properly. I have no confidence that if something happens, there will be police there to help me. I have no confidence that if there was a fire, a fire department would show up. None. None. I have now, because of all of this, felt the only thing I can do is rely on myself. Hence, I moved to the middle of nowhere, buying supplies and taking care of myself. That, for me, happened a while ago. And I never really sat down and thought about it. But what, what do you think? Do you have confidence or faith in the government? I'll tell you this. When I see stories of people opening their businesses and ignoring the lockdowns or blocking, like this guy in the truck who blocked the health inspector was crazy for one reason. The cops told him like, like you better move. And he goes, no, I'm not moving my truck. I'm thinking about like, well, they could arrest the guy. They could tow his vehicle. But you know what? He said, I'm desperate. Nothing they could do could make that man budge. The state has lost its leverage by going too far. And now people are starting to say, I don't care. I wonder if all these other people, these salon owners are going to show up in DC. And I kind of think they will. We'll see how it plays out. It's only a few days away. It's about a week. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. If I were to ask you, who do you think is the most admired man in America? Depending on your political leanings, you might give me a different answer. Most people, though, I think would probably still say Donald Trump, even people who don't like the man. And it's true. Trump's base, Trump supporters and even regular people voted for the guy really do admire him. And even Barack Obama himself, and this may be apocryphal, I'm not sure, but didn't Obama say that the American dream was to be Donald Trump back in like the 90s or something way back in the day? And I think a lot of people might not like Donald Trump, but they might still admire the fact that he's been successful. Anyway, I digress. Trump has ended Obama's 12-year run as the most admired man, according to Gallup. The most admired woman, Michelle Obama. Second place, Obama. It's really interesting, right? Joe Joe Biden has 6% of the vote to Donald Trump's 18%. But Joe Biden got 81 million votes, they say. And Donald Trump got 74 million, they say. And a lot of people are questioning, how could that be? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think if you were to take a poll for the most admired man, you'd find it's Donald Trump. 
And then if you were to take a poll for the most hated man, it would be Donald Trump. And I think even Trump supporters could recognize the left really hates the guy. Trump is a polarizing figure. He's a polarized figure. You love him or you hate him. And I think most people are probably chilling somewhere in the middle. But let me tell you something. I want, I, want, I want to read the story about Barack Obama being displaced and Trump being the most admired man. But the bigger picture in all of this is how the media vilified, demonized, and lied about Trump for years. For years. And now, these journalists, people like Jim Acosta or Olivia Nuzzi, are panicking, worried. What am I going to do? They, they got famous off of Donald Trump. Jim Acosta was a nobody. Okay, I get it. Like, he worked for CNN. He did reporting. But he gained all his followers off of talking smack about Trump. They're not reporting anything. And they know it. And The Atlantic has written a story. They call it the resistance's breakup with the media as at hand. I call it something else. I call it fake news in sheer panic because they were collapsing before Donald Trump came about. They had nothing. The ratings were in the gutter. I can't believe how high CNN's ratings are now because of Trump. Fox News was doing really well, and now they're hurting as people flock to other outlets like Newsmax or One American News. But I tell you this, mainstream news outlets, the New York Times, Washington Post, you know, all these these digital leftist VC funded publications, they got built upon insulting, lying and smearing Trump. That's why it's remarkable that Donald Trump is the most admired man in America. Think about it. A man who has broken Obama's 12-year streak, a man who has more negative news written about him than basically anybody else ever. Something like 90% of all stories about Trump are negative, or more than that, probably. It's all negative. And a lot of it is lies. The media has become a fractured, twisted, and psychotic machine that is just desperately trying to get your clicks. So they just write fake news. There's a really funny viral post going around where this woman She's like a a university professor or something complains that her name was included in a story that was false about her and it's wrong and not fair. And I'm like, I agree. And she's saying, like, they're accusing me of wanting books to be banned. And it's just not true. And then you have another tweet from her where she's bragging about getting books banned. But the reality is media does just lie all the time. My favorite are like these smear pieces about me that claim the own like there's there's one where it's like the only people who've ever heard of this guy are like far right Trump supporters. And I'm like, I worked for Vice and Disney well before any of this. And the crazy thing about it is, you know, they try and claim that everybody who watches is like far right or right wing. And I'm like, the Trump supporters have been making fun of me for quite some time now. So I don't I, you know, I don't I don't know how to sp- uh, how to spell it, you know, uh, to explain it to these people. Because they don't live in reality. They live in, it doesn't need to be true. It just needs to get click world. That's, that, that's the name of the game from the media. So let's do this. First, let me tell you about how Donald Trump is the most admired man. And I'll, and I'll do it partly because, you know, to all these fake news journalists who see this, they're going to get all angry and bent out of shape. But this story's big. Because think about the power or, or you know, the strength someone must have to defy the entire media apparatus and get this much recognition. I think people admire Trump partly because they hate the media. The Hill reports 18% of the survey's respondents named Trump as the most admired man compared to 15% who named Obama and 6% who named Joe Biden. 3% named National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Anthony Fauci. 2% chose Pope Francis. Now, I can already hear the left saying, yeah, but if you combine Obama and Biden, you get 21%. 
yeah, I, I don't care. I get that people admire Obama. Sure, fine, whatever. But that just goes to show you, man, the people who admire Obama, low information as they come. I voted for Obama in 2008. I, 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 would, I don't know if I would say I admired the guy, but uh, in 2008, it was like, wow, you know, hope and change and all that good stuff. He wasn't, he was like a, he, he, Obama was viewed as this outsider candidate was coming in to bring about change to this corrupt system. And for eight years, he just made it worse. Everything was just worse. I mean, Black Lives Matter started under Obama. Occupy Wall Street started under Obama. And a lot of the problems we're facing today, the wars, Libyan, uh, the North African uh, slave trade, the conflict in Syria, it's all because of Obama. So I certainly don't admire the guy. Who would? Well, somebody who doesn't know anything about recent history. There are a lot of young people that are leftists. You know, it's interesting that a lot of the they say, you know, if you're not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not conservative when you're older, you have no head, something like that. Well, I'll tell you this. I talk to these leftist personalities, I have them on my show, and they have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the Obama Biden administration. And I could say something like, I think it's it's wrong to vote for somebody who's going to extrajudicially assassinate people. And they'll be like, well, yeah, but who did that? And I'm like, <laughs> Obama and Biden did. And they don't know. And I don't blame them. They were little kids not paying attention to politics when all this is going down. I can't tell you a whole lot about what Bill Clinton did other than, you know, some nasty stuff in the Oval Office, I guess, because I was a little kid. So I don't blame them. But I lived through Obama. You see the news. You see the things you hate. You see, you, you see what makes you angry. I, I, I tell you what's really, really funny right now for, you know, I find the, the funniest is I can sit here and be like, Republicans are supporting the omnibus trash. Screw them. The Democrats are playing games and supporting the omnibus trash. Everybody seems to agree the omnibus spending bill is trash, but Congress does not care. The funny thing is, I somehow get into arguments with people who are still like, but at least the Democrats are doing this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not even playing that game anymore. I can defend Republicans for some things. But this time, no, 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 stop playing that game. You're not going to come at me and be like, well, at least the Democrats are. No, at least the Democrats, nothing. Okay. At least the Republicans, nothing. We're well past that. They're playing, they're playing dirty games. And we'll see if Mitch McConnell actually gives this, the people the $2,000 stimulus. We'll see. But anyway, I digress. Let's read. They go to mention that Elon Musk and Bernie Sanders also made the list. The sitting U.S. president has been named the pollster's most admired man in 60 out of 74 years, including all eight years of Obama's presidency and every year of George W. Bush's presidency, except for 2008. Trump had finished second to Obama in 2017 and 2018. The 2020 rankings are the 10th time Trump has ranked in the top 10. All right, let's talk about the media, my friends. Let's talk about why it matters that Trump is the most admired man. I wonder how many people click this video wanting to learn about Trump being the most admired man. The reality is that is a story about the media. Could you imagine what percentage Trump would have if the media was honest? 36%, 50%, everybody saying he's the best. We had the best economy in generations of our lives, according to Jim Cramer, 2019. COVID happened. And now we have a fractured and broken country. And you know what? I think it's a good, good uh, reason to say maybe, maybe this is where Trump made mistakes. A lot of people have been calling on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. And you know what? I've absolutely warmed to that idea. I used to really much oppose it. Like, could you imagine the military going into a blue city and being like, you know, we're, we're in charge now, martial law? We're already under martial law. The blue states have excised themselves from the union already. Think about it. In New York, 
You can't gather. No First Amendment, right? You can't bear arms. No Second Amendment, right? They can send whoever they want, wherever they want, search whatever, arrest you, lock you up, all under edict. Your rights are gone. Not only that, New York City set up checkpoints. You want to enter? You got to go through a checkpoint. So that doesn't sound like a state in the U.S., if you were going to ask me. Did Trump do anything about it? Is Trump enforcing the Constitution? No. And no, he's doing nothing. I'll be fair. Maybe Trump should have done a lot more a long time ago. He didn't. And now Trump doesn't really have any have much power left. So I don't know uh, what you would expect to happen on the six, but maybe Trump supporters are what really matter here. Here's a story from The Atlantic. Let's get let's 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 make fun of these people. They say the day after the 2016 election, I got a phone call from an old friend. Neither of us had slept much, and we spent most of the conversation exchanging shell shocked comments of can you believe this variety? Before we hung up, his voice took a trace of irony. Well, this is going to be great for your career. Haha, because journalists know that if it bleeds, it leads. They, 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 they're vultures. They call themselves vultures. They love the chaos. They thrive on it. He says, I waved that remark away, but I knew he was probably right. My one of the things that journalists say is if it's bad for the people, it's good for us. If it's bad for them, it's good for us. Well, Trump wasn't bad for us, but these people sure did want to find a way to rile everybody up, make them lose their minds. And there you go. He says, I'd written a wide variety profile, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about who this guy is. Let's talk about the journalists. Olivia Nuzzi tries not to dwell on the unsavory fact that her career took off because of Trump. A lively writer who covered the 2016 campaign for the Daily Beast, she joined New York Magazine around the time Trump took office and quickly became known for her caustic profiles of the president's hangers-on. TV appearances and awards shortly followed, and in 2018, Nuzzi announced a major book deal with Simon and Schuster. Bravo. I guess if I stop to think about it, Nuzzi says, there is something obviously uncomfortable and kind of gross about the fact that we are in the business of missing planes and crazy pseudo-dictators, that when something terrible is happening, it makes for good copy. Welcome to the world of journalism. Clearly, these people never quite understood it. You know what I really love? So listen, I'll, I'll tell you what. My career certainly has much been much, much bigger in the Trump era than at any point before the Trump era. But I got featured, in, and I'm not saying it's to brag, but I want to point something out. A lot of people, I, I've seen comments. This one guy, well, I'm not going to name him, is this lefty guy, comedian. He commented on one of my Instagram posts saying, I can't wait for... Trump to go away so that you will, you know, you will be gone. And I'm like, do you think that I wasn't working before Trump got elected? In 2011, I was featured in Times Person of the Year, one of six video features. In 2012, I was nominated by Time Magazine as one of the most influential people in the world. I'm not saying it's a brag. It's an editorial decision. It doesn't mean a whole lot. But to act like I didn't have a career or wasn't working, it's what it's the game they want to play. The reality is I've been working. I, for, for, for years, I was, uh, I helped launch Vice News, the fastest growing news organization in history, and I was its founding member. I went to work for ABC News. And these people want to play games. Why? Because they can't accept what they are. A lot of these people want to write smears about me and other independent commentators saying things like this. Oh, it's only, it's only, what are you going to do without Trump? I don't know. Go back to talking about conflict, crisis, and technology like I was. Or how about a couple years ago when I was talking about cultural issues? One of my biggest videos on my main channel is talking about men not wanting to defend women out of a fear of backlash. It isn't like, I think it has like a million plus views or something. It has nothing to do with Trump. 
If anything, my most viral videos going to Sweden, millions of views, the Sweden project traveling, I was getting more views on independent individual projects and making a ton of money doing it. Now I'm doing commentary and most of the videos get less, but average higher. They average more views. These people have nothing but Trump. It's all they've ever had. So you know what I've had? I've always had calling things out and explaining what was going on and telling people to the best of my ability what the truth is, not them. Their whole bit has been mock Trump, call him orange. Did you know that if you go to any of these mainstream news publications, most of you probably know this, they boost the saturation on photos of Trump to make him look bright orange. Isn't that insane? But these people are lunatics. Don't get me wrong. You have lunatics on the right for sure. You had an era where people would literally just write random fake stories and they were getting a lot of money for it. Okay, well, Facebook banned all of them. But is Facebook banning any of these people? No, they can write fake news with impunity. And then what ends up happening is that Wikipedia picks it all up and claims it's fact. We th- th- this, is the, this is the contributing problem. Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, Susan Wojcicki or Jiski or whatever her name is. They don't ban the left when the left lies. They don't. They will ban the right for stepping out of line, even to the, tini- to, uh, to the tiniest degree. Uh, they're going to say, Nuzzi is more troubled by the perverse incentives the Trump era has created for journalists like her. There is, this ki- there is kind of this temptation to satisfy the resistance with worldview confirming reporting chum, she told me. She spent enough time on the internet to know who her most devoted readers are, and they aren't MAGA bros. It didn't really require any special bravery to report honestly and critically on Donald Trump. I could write a piece, Donald Trump is the biggest a-hole to, to ever live, and he's a terrible human, and, uh, and he's ugly, and nobody would be mad at me except the same people who are mad at me anyway for existing. Let me tell y'all something. If you go to Trump supporting forums, you'll see them make fun of me, because I'm not going to give Trump affirming confirmation bias reporting. I'm not going to make statements that I don't believe to be are true. And I've mentioned this time and time again. During Occupy Wall Street, the left loved me. They, they said, Tim's the only real journalist. And then when it came time for with Donald Trump and I said, well, here's the truth. They said, why aren't you on our side? They say, Tim used to be on the left and then he flipped. No, I used to tell the truth and now I tell the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't appealing to you. The Democrats went nuts during Occupy Wall Street. I didn't like the Democrats then either. These people are lunatics. They got so entrenched in their tribalism that anybody willing to oppose Trump was a good guy. And they'll, they'll say that they don't like the Democrats and then get mad at me for saying I don't like the Democrats either. One of my favorite things ever was when I was accused by someone of being right wing. And they also claimed Jimmy Dore was left wing. And, and our, our YouTube videos were the same. We were criticizing the Democrats for mostly the same things. Isn't it funny how that works? They don't want to hear the truth. Of course, I think the one person you've all been waiting for, Jim Acosta. The Atlantic says, few reporters have been at the center of more high profile spats with the Trump White House than CNN's Jim Acosta, a veteran TV newsman with salt and pepper hair and a concerned dad demeanor. Acosta has spent the past four years picking fights with Trump flax in the briefing room. Once he walked out of a press conference after then press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders refused to say reporters weren't enemy of the people. On another occasion, the White House temporarily revoked his press pass. He writes a book, whatever. It's a stupid book. Nobody bought it. But he insists his on-air indignation has always been genuine. He's lying. Quote, you can't just go and trash the press and totally lie to the American people and tell them real news is fake news, Acosta told me. I couldn't stomach it. 
The drama made him famous, but Acosta doesn't expect to bring the same crusading style to his coverage of the next administration. I don't think the press should be trying to whip up the Biden presidency and turn it into must-see TV in a contrived way. Oh, <laughs> and there it is. Thank you, Jim Acosta, for telling us the truth. You never actually cared. Joe Biden calls a lid every single day. Journalists start complaining. Real journalists complain. They're not being given access. And when reporters start yelling questions to, to Biden, what does he do? He goes, and he grabs the guy. Come on, man. Why are you so nervous? He insults and yells at other journalists. He calls one journalist a one horse pony, whatever that's supposed to mean. That's a quote called, called the guy a one horse pony. And Jim Acosta now says, only Trump is bad. You know, I've been critical of Trump where, where I need to be, but they expect me to scream bloody murder at, this, at, the, at, at any infraction. And it's just nonsensical. Trump has done bad things. I've criticized him quite a, uh, quite a bit for quite a lot. First of all, he hired a bunch of morons. He hired people like Bolton. I love calling that out, but that one's the, that's low hanging fruit, to be completely honest. He hired a bunch of people. He hired Sessions. He had to fire these people. They turned on him. They wouldn't support him. Trump made mistakes on foreign policy. Trump is, is, is spending like crazy and racking up the deficit. These things are all true. But to pretend like Trump is a fascist orange dictator and to saturate pictures of him to make his face bright orange is lying to people. You know, I tell you. One thing I will not do is uh, lie about news or play stupid partisan games like uh, Jim Acosta will do. But, you know, it's funny. I end up getting heat from both sides for it. And I know and I said this before, it was only a matter of time before hardcore Trump supporters turned on me and said I was bad. I was lying and disrespectful and all that stuff. And here we go. It's exactly what you can expect to happen. I imagine it's only a matter of time with uh, Joe Biden. Uh, we'll see what happens on the 6th. I mean, things might get spicy, but I fully expect Joe Biden to be inaugurated as president. And it's going to be really interesting when the left is once again back to ragging on Democrats and then I'm ragging on them for basically the same things. Are they then going to say I'm left wing? I was talking to this researcher who has created a, a thing called Transparency Tube. And I was like, how are you going to categorize channels when left and right flips or inverts or breaks again? Left and right is completely meaningless. Listen, Jim Acosta has flat out admitted, and many other journalists in this story, that they were just lying, basically. Okay, they're not saying they were lying. They're saying it was genuine, but they're admitting it. We don't want to target Biden. We're not going to call him out. And we're scared now that Trump is gone, what we'll even write about. I'm not, because I've never cared. I talk about what I care about. I did a video when I worked for Fusion. All right, let's go back to when I worked for the progressive outlet Fusion. It was owned by ABC News and Univision. And I did a segment about a black only graduation ceremony. And I said, segregation is bad. Why would they do that? My opinions haven't changed. What, what's happened is the media is the definition of grifter. The left likes to accuse individuals, YouTubers, independent commentators of being grifters. Look, you look at someone like Steven Crowder. That dude has held the same opinions for quite, quite a long time. Mostly the same opinions. Everybody changes a little bit. He's been a conservative commentator for what, like a decade? He's a grifter. You look at people like me and you'll see that my opinions are fairly similar across the board. And there have been some changes like guns and confidence in government and things like that. Be I've become more libertarian. And, and I, I tell people this too, more left on a lot of economic policy. But the, the, the big challenge with, with economic policy and like leftist ideas is that wokeness is, a, 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 is, is psychotic. 
And that's really destroyed what the left was supposed to be. The easiest way to explain left and right is economic cooperation but, uh, compared to economic competition. And so I'm mostly in the middle. Competition is really important for growth and development. And it's a, it's a good thing. And cooperation is as well. So I'm you know, a bit of an enlightened centrist. I lean a little left on a lot of these issues. But the media, they're the grifters. They're not a person. Media, these news organizations don't have opinions. They have editorial guidelines to make money. And that's why it's really funny we see this from Matt Taibbi. He says the New Yorker is the latest legacy outlet to publish a silly horror feature about Substack, writing, a robust press is essential to a functioning democracy, and a cultural turn toward journalistic individualism might not be in the collective interest. Oh, no, they're scared. Good. I want to watch it all burn figuratively. These institutions have meetings. I know because I've been in these meetings where they say, what will get the most traffic? Who's our audience? They don't care about what's true. They care about what will make them money. I care about what's true. You know why? As a single individual, I don't need to worry about how much money I'm making unless it's enough to survive. When I started doing all of this on YouTube and I was getting like 20,000 views per video, one video per day, I was making enough to survive. And I was content and happy to give you my opinions and talk about the news in the, in, about things that I thought were important. As the culture war escalated and made its way to top level politics, the presidency, etc., I carried on and started doing more. And the more opinions I had, and the more I read, the more I had to say, and I made more and more videos. And you know what? In the end, I've said it a million times. I have no problem living in a van down by the river. As long as my channel gets me by, I don't need much to survive. I am a, you know, a, what was, well, look, a high school dropout from the South Side of Chicago, put it that way. And I didn't grow up with much, and I don't need much to get by. But the New York Times, well, they've got, you know, how much money goes to the salary of their executive editors? How much money do they need to make to clear a upper class New York penthouse lifestyle? A lot. They need more. They always need more. And that's the narrative. The orange man bad narrative was just an effort to get people whipped up into a frenzy so they could make money off of them. And they claim that people, uh, grifters, are doing that for Trump supporters. But about half of the Trump supporting right is critical of people like Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell. And I've been critical of Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell the entire time. Well, the entire time they've been pushing this, you know, Dominion stuff and these crazy lawsuits because I don't care. I'll say it. And you know what? I get made fun of for it. But I don't care. The left makes fun of me left and right for things that aren't true. I care about talking about what's really going on. And I'll tell you what's going on. Donald Trump is the most admired man in this country. I wonder why that is. Like, what did Trump do to overcome the entirety of the of the U.S. media apparatus lying and smearing? How did he overcome that? That's incredible, isn't it? Well, there are a lot of people who are tribalistically blindly supporting Trump, and there are a lot of people who are tribalistically and blindly hating Trump. But maybe things were just going well, and regular people were forced to watch you know, these videos about Trump to realize the media had been lying. Substack, for those that aren't familiar, is kind of like, it's like YouTube. You, know, you have your own channel where you can write and publish articles, and then people pay monthly or whatever to subscribe to your articles allowing individual writers to be totally independent of that psychotic drive mechanism that exists in these in these media companies. 
Glenn Greenwald doesn't need to have an editorial meeting about what's going to get more clicks. He's already famous and rich. He just needs a platform where he won't be censored. He has it. Matt Taibbi is the same. And the media systems like the New Yorker are now terrified that if people don't need them anymore, and they don't, then they're not going to use them or give them money. And their psychotic orange man bad narrative won't won't work anymore. They're going to lose control. They're going to go to business. So be it. I'm ready to watch it burn. Figuratively, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com forward slash Timcast. Why don't you type that into the address bar and press enter and see what happens? Because for some reason, I'll tell you the craziest thing. I say it over and over again, but people go, but this channel is Timcast. YouTube.com forward slash Timcast. It's a URL. Type it in, press enter, and there you go. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. I will see you all at 4 p.m. over on the Tim Pool channel, youtube.com slash Timcast. I'll see you then.